What's going on? Welcome back. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, good night. I think I covered all those. Welcome back to the podcast. Um, It's been a little bit, but welcome back. Thanks for tuning in. We've got a whole bunch of stuff to recap. We've got NHL playoffs as usual, NBA playoffs, those two things still going on. We've got some Euro 2020 to recount. We're going to do match day one today and then get back to match day two once it's fully wrapped up. Um, but we'll start off with the two two games that happened tonight, the one NHL game and the one NBA game. The NHL game, obviously, Lightning versus Islanders, Game 3. This was... This game is... This series is honestly closer than I expected. I I knew that the Islanders were good, obviously. You're going to have a good team if they beat the Boston Bruins. Um, but I thought that the Lightning were significantly better than the Islanders. Maybe, okay, maybe not significantly but like win in five type good rather than six or seven. Um, this reminded me of how the first game in this series went. Obviously, the Islanders won that one two to one, but the Lightning won this one two to one. Um, and it was a very even game, to be completely honest. It was it was fun to watch. Braden Point's goal was amazing. That was awesome. Um, and it had the ability both of these teams are great and they have the ability that if one team's going to look weak for a span of a couple minutes or if they're going to give up a power play they can capitalize hugely on that moment and there were a couple moments like that in this game where I expected it to break open for one game or one team and then it didn't necessarily do that and I think that's because of the 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 goalies in this game um the scoring started off in the first period you had Yanni Gord um, he that was an impressive goal. I didn't expect Varlamov to get beat like that. Granted, he didn't necessarily get beat. You know, it's kind of just one of those situations where it was... It's one of those goals that... Or shots that if he does save, it's a great save. But if he doesn't, it's not necessarily like, oh, he needs to save that. Good goal for Gord. Good goal for the Lightning to start off. Um... And then it was very defensive from here on out. The Lightning played some good defense. Obviously, they have Victor Hedmond, best, honestly, best defenseman in the league, honestly. Um, but New York, in the second period, they come back. Cal Clutterbuck, he took the goal where this you can probably blame on the defense a bit more than than the goalie, rather. Um but the goal that came after this, only 20 seconds before the second intermission from Brain Point and the Lightning, this would end up being the game-winning goal. This was a really impressive goal. This is one of the ones that if you didn't see the game or if you didn't see the goal, you should go back and watch because it was really impressive. He does like this... I don't even know how it happens. I think he's like falling to the ground and he like shoots it around Varlamov and there's like a whole bunch of guys around the crease and... He's like falling around multiple guys, flicks it into the net, and it's just impressive goal from an impressive player. That, like I said, puts them up two to one in the second period, twenty seconds to go. Um, no other goals come from that. Lightning kind of just buckled down in the third period and finish off the game. The Islanders didn't look nearly as good as they did in the first game, um, which means that they weren't able to beat this Lightning team tonight. And I think that's kind of more accurate for this game. Although it was a 2-1 to win for the Lightning, it felt like a more... 
I don't want to say dominant because I don't think either of these teams are dominating each other. I think it was just more of a strong win for the Lightning against the Islanders. It was only one, but maybe it's one and a half that they win by. We'll give them that. So series moves to 2-1 in favor of the Lightning. They stay in New York for game four. Um, but I think, obviously, it's a must-win game for the Islanders. They have to tie it up 2-2 if they're going to be going back to Tampa Bay. Uh, well, not if they're going. They are going back to Tampa Bay. But they need tied up 2-2 in order to have a chance because we've seen the Lightning at home. They're ferocious and... I think they've finally heated up in this series and gotten into the groove against an Islanders team that can be sometimes hard to pick up on. So I think if the Lightning win Game 4, it's pretty much impossible for the Islanders. Not really a massively hot take because going up 3-1 is kind of tough to come back from either way. But it's very much so must-win for the Islanders. And then Game 5 probably is too. Because I don't see them, if the Lightning win Game 5, I don't see the Lightning losing Game 6, a closeout game at home. I just, the light, this Lightning team doesn't really do stuff like that. Um, moving on to the NBA game that we had tonight, Nets versus Bucks. This is so weird, such a script flipped, script, ugh, can't say anything apparently, script flip, say that 10 times fast, from the first two games of the series. This was game six. Bucks won, ties ties the series up at 3-3. And I think, I don't want to say everyone expected it, but I think this was more of what makes sense to happen. The Bucks end up winning 104-89. to um, This is what happens when you don't have KD absolutely going off. Then at this point, the Nets need KD to go off for 50 if they have any shot of staying in the game. Um, although he didn't go off for 50, he did drop 32, shot 50%, so can't really put it on him tonight. Harden only got 16, but again, can't really put it on him. He's still working on half a leg. Um, but then Blake Griffin got 12, and no one else on the team got double digits. So, I feel like that's more of the story of the game. This is what happens when you're missing Kyrie. You realize how how bad this Nets team is when they don't have either Kyrie or James Harden performing to the level that they need to. Because um, it really is, at the end of the day, just those guys. And when you have Joe Harris off and Jeff Green not able to do anything and Blake Griffin just having like a... It wasn't an awful game, but it was kind of just a mediocre game. You realize that they're not really the best team out there. This Bucks team, who isn't the best in the East, I still think the 76ers are... Except I don't really know, because 76ers lost to the Hawks yesterday. This East is up in the air now. That the Nets don't have a healthy James Harden, that they don't have a healthy Kyrie Irving. It's really confusing me at this point. Um, but... I think the main reason the Bucks won is Chris Middleton. That's not surprising to say. He had 38. When you have someone have 38, that's big for them, especially when you when it's not Giannis. When Giannis can have 30 and then someone else have 38, that's huge. And then Drew Holiday have 21 as well. When all three of these guys are firing on all cylinders, or maybe not all cylinders, but when they're firing on most of their cylinders, 
they can beat a Nets team like this. They can probably beat a Nets team with two out of the three of their guys. Um, and then P.J. Tucker, I don't have it written down how many points he had. He had single-digit points, but that wasn't the big thing because his plus or minus was plus 30, and his defense, like usual, is great. He he plays physical defense, and a lot of people are complaining about that because they support KD, and they're like, oh, it's too physical, blah, blah, blah. But I really respect how he's keeping the physicality in basketball. I think we all want to see that. No one really wants to see all the physicality leave. Um, big game from the Bucks. They really stepped up. Again, not unexpected that they would that they win this game, but I think a good performance from them, a good confirmation that they still are a good team, that they still do have a chance in Game Seven. Um, so, yeah. And then on the net side of the ball, James Harden sixteen, but he also had what five the other night. So that is positive progression. He does look like he's getting better on the leg. Um, and we did see the the Bucks take it to James Harden when they were on offense more, which was a big key to their game because obviously James Harden's not 100% or anywhere near that. So there's no reason not to take it to him. Let's wrap up some NHL playoffs now. Um, since it's been a while, I'll just do a quick recap of the second round. Wrap that up. In the East, the Islanders beat the Bruins in six. That was interesting series i'm just saying the bruins can blame the injuries if they want um they can also say the islanders are a good team but i don't think bruins fans are going to want to say that so they can just blame it on the injuries in the central the lightning beat the hurricane in five this was a series that like five games like saying the lightning one in five that doesn't wrap up the whole series because the hurricane are a pretty good team hurricanes sorry because these were close games or at least most of them were and it was just like the Hurricanes came out on the wrong side every single time it was a close game. Um, and Lightning are a good team. I'm not going to take that away from them, and that's obvious thing to say. But this easily could have gone to six or seven games if the Hurricanes got a couple extra shots to fall, like a couple extra lucky shots instead of not having them fall. In the West, the Golden Knights, this was probably the surprise of the playoffs, um, except maybe the North. But the Golden Knights beat the Avalanche in six. The Avalanche go up 1-0, right, with that 7-1 win. But then game two, and from game two on, the Golden Knights looked like the better team, to be completely honest. The Avalanche did win game two, but the Golden Knights came back there, won four straight. They looked like a much better team than the Avalanche for the last five games in the series and proved that by winning in six, winning four straight. Um, And the Avalanche... Ugh, that is tough. If you're an Avalanche fan, that is tough. You have this team who you think is the best team in the NHL by, like, some margin, and you lose to this Golden Knights team that obviously is a really good team, one of the best teams in the league, but if you're the Avalanche, you're going into the series feeling pretty comfortable, and you lose four straight. You can blame it on missing Nassim Kadri, but at the end of the day, it's it, it was just poor performances from them and Golden Knights definitely deserve to move on in the north I will put my hand up and say I 110 112 percent underestimated the Canadians they swept the Jets in four um and this is one of those moments in sports and me talking about sports 
thinking about sports where I just feel so stupid. I fully thought that the Jets were the better team in this series, and obviously they didn't have Shifley, but that's not going to make a difference. I think maybe they win one game with Shifley, maybe, but the Jets were so much worse than the Canadians this series that you can't even guarantee that they do win a game if they have Shifley. He is a big part of their offense and their defense and their team and as a whole, right? But this Canadians team severely outclassed the Jets, so I wouldn't even underestimate them in this Vegas series, which obviously is going on right now. And then I have some, um, some, what, semifinals is what it's called rather than round three can't just keep going up with that um the islanders lightning the first game was on sunday um and this was weird because i've kind of gotten used to vasilevsky just outplaying every other goalie but this is one of the games where he actually got outplayed by another goalie and you have to give it to varlamov because he is a great goalie varlamov got 30 saves in that game game one um, and I guess you could put up some questions if Vasilevsky could have done better with some of the shots in game one. It's Those were some of the shots that he gave up that was kind of like, if he saves them, they're good saves. And if he doesn't, it's kind of like, eh, I mean, he's not necessarily expected to save those. But since we have such high expectations for him now, you kind of expect him to save those. So it's a weird situation not really on him the the uh the lightning rather just didn't look great in that game um they did bounce back in game two they played well in that game looked a lot better they looked like the lightning that we've seen throughout the season and the postseason um and then obviously they played tonight well um continued that run of form wouldn't be surprised if mm, i take that back and i didn't even say it. i was gonna say wouldn't be surprised if they win in five but four straight against a strong Islanders team is a bit tough. Um, I think six isn't unreasonable, but I, I think five's a bit out of the reach. I still think Lightning win the series, Lightning and six, I'll say. Um, Golden Knights, Canadians. This, everyone's thinking, right? Golden Knights in four, Golden Knights in five. Canadians come back, second game, win. Was it second game? Yes, because the Vegas Knights won the first game in the series. That because that was their fifth straight win. Um, and then I was personally thinking I had this written down after their game. I had that. I said fifth straight win for the Golden Knights. Wouldn't be surprised if they continued, kept this rolling. And then to or last night after the game, I was like, yeah, I should erase that because that changed really quick. Canadians pick up game two on Wednesday night. Carey Price, man, he is he is a good goalie. It's and then against Flurry, this is just a good goalie series. Um Carey Price had twenty nine saves last night and the Canadians gave him the scoring support that he needs. Sometimes you see Carey Price doing great, saving the pucks he needs to, and then just getting beat by the pucks that he physically cannot save, and he gives up maybe two, and then the Canadians don't even score or they score one and theoretically that's a game that they should win but then the Canadians just don't score as much as they need to um but this game obviously we saw them give him the scoring support that he needed um 
the, the scoring support that we saw in the Jets series in the last three games against the Maple Leafs. Because um, those first couple games against the Maple Leafs, we saw them kind of struggle on the offensive side, which is the the Canadians' offense that you that you can blame if they lose, but Carey Price has a good game. Um, I This is, again, I feel like just saying a team in six is kind of the, the cheap way out because you're saying, oh, this team is better, right, because you're saying that, that it won't go seven, but then you're not saying they're good enough to do it in five. I would kind of like to be bold about it and say Golden Knights in five, but they're also going back to Montreal 1-1. Um, so I think Canadians pick up at least one more. Golden Knights in six, I think, is a good option. Um, but I honestly also wouldn't be surprised if they if it goes to seven. And then we all know once it goes to a game seven, it's all up in the air. Anything can happen. So I'll stick with Golden Knights in six just for the sake of actually having a prediction but the way the Canadians play I honestly wouldn't be surprised if they picked up a couple shock wins against this Golden Knights team that is very good um and I just have a couple more points to make about hockey Victor Hedmond Hedman sorry is the best defenseman in the league period no debate and then Kucherov is the best passer in the league again no debate those are my two takes there we go that's done that's out there um, and then we'll move on to NBA playoffs. Just some wrapping up of what we've seen so far. And then we can talk some future, some predictions. Um, again, since it's been long since I've done a podcast, we'll do some wrapping up of the uh, conference semifinals. The Suns Nuggets. Suns swept the Nuggets. Impressive series from them. Devin Booker, Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton. Big shout out to DeAndre Ayton because he... We saw, we saw that big game that Nikola Jokic had, right? It was 30-20-10. Um, so maybe he didn't lock him up hugely in that game, but DeAndre Ayton did play very impressively in that in that series to maybe not lock down, but definitely limit Jokic on what he could do, the league MVP on what he could do. Um, that's probably the reason that the Suns were able to do that, because if you can slow down Jokic and then MPJ isn't making all the shots, you do have a Suns offense that's going to keep scoring. And if you don't have the Nuggets offense keeping up with them, then you're going to have the Suns beat you by double digits, which is what they did. First game winning by 17, next by 25, game three by 14, and then game four was the closest by seven. Um, And shout out to the Suns and four guy. We'll get on that topic later, but I think that he... (laughs) single-handedly made it so that the Suns are 90% better. Um, Chris Paul is out. We know that. COVID protocol. Um, Obviously, no timetable for the return or anything because COVID just makes everything so up in the air. And that kind of... That is tough for the Suns because they looked very good. And I would honestly pick them to beat Jazz or Clippers, like winner of that series, blindly. Like, if I didn't know who wins that series, which obviously we don't because that hasn't finished up, I would say they beat them either way. Um, and speaking of that series, we'll move on to that now. The first four games, both teams take two. Um, and 
I hate saying it because I don't know why, but I just hate the Clippers. And I love cheering against them. And I don't know what it is, and I feel bad about it. Because everyone's like, playoff P, blah, blah, blah. And just hating on him. And he deserves some love because he is a good player. But I I don't know. I, I'm just a hater, I guess. Um, the Clippers did look like the stronger team through that four, those four games. Um, and then Kawhi goes out with the injury. And I'm thinking, and a lot of other people are thinking, hey, Jazz, Jazz in six, 100%. I will fully say that I had Jazz in six after Kawhi goes out in injury. And then the the Clippers come back in game five, and then they win. And I am definitely didn't expect that. Shout out to Paul George, because he dropped 37. Clippers go up three to two in the series. Um, and I just don't know. I mean, I expected the Jazz to be able to handle it. Donovan Mitchell and Jordan Clarkson didn't really have a massive game but I was looking at the box score and nothing really stood out to me like why the Clippers won and and the Jazz didn't I mean the Clippers are a good team and when they have all of them scoring like they did that's that's this is what happens moving on to the 76ers Hawks series in the Eastern Conference this is again I feel like 76ers are the Jazz and Hawks are the Clippers I expect the 76ers to win and I expect the Jazz to win, and I just don't know what's up with them. Again, through the first four games, 76ers and Hawks split it. And then game five, I'm expecting 76ers to play well, right? Joel Embiid's had four games to get used to his injury, whatever it actually was diagnosed with. And he was looking pretty good in the series up until then. With the Hawks surprisingly picking up two games that I feel like they shouldn't have, or at least one of those that they shouldn't have, but then they lose game five. Hawks win 109-106, to 106, and I think I have to support the Hawks now, because this 76ers team just doesn't look like they have an answer for Trey Young. Trey Young shows up again, as he's been doing this whole postseason, as he's been doing this whole series against the 76ers, and Ben Simmons can't hit free throws. You would think if, I, I don't, you would like take Ben Simmons out at the end of the game. The defense is hugely important from him. So maybe you just need to be like, you severely need to go into the gym and practice your free throws. I, I, and then the Hawks came back from massive deficit in this game. That was the big thing about this game. And I just, if you're the 76ers, you have no confidence now. Because you played good in that game up until the second half, and you played good in this series, and somehow, before this game, it was 2-2, and you've played good this series. It's not like you've done terrible, but if you have two guys, only two guys, making a single field goal, only two guys made a field goal in the second half for the 76ers. That's one of those things that you don't believe, and it doesn't sound possible, and it doesn't sound right, and it doesn't sound like it would ever make sense and yet that's how it happened i'm i think 76ers possibly maybe can win a game but <laughs> i don't know i'm i think hawks could take it in six to be completely honest moving on to the bucks nets the this is the, the whole playoffs is going absolutely ridiculous and 
this is probably the biggest example of it. You have this Nets team who's ridiculous. First two games absolutely blow the Bucks out of the water. And then third and fourth, the Bucks come back even the series. Obviously, you have James Harden and Kyrie getting injured. But it I don't I just and then game 5, obviously, KD goes ridiculous, 49 points, manages to get get the Nets one more game put off getting beat again which happened tonight series is 3-3 goes to game seven basically just the best of one this is I think the most anyone could have ever wanted from this series I personally think that the Nets could win this I don't I think Chris Middleton is too inconsistent to drop right anywhere near 38 again like he did tonight but I I just I'm hesitant because obviously you look at this Brooklyn Nets team and you're like you lost by 15 tonight and KD didn't have a bad game but you can't count on anyone else to have a good game because you have James Harden injured obviously Kyrie's not coming back or maybe he is who knows if this is just some big setup for a good comeback story but James Harden He's still injured, right? I think it's good signs that he's he's getting better, right? Even in just the last two games. But I don't think it's super convincing that he's getting better. And there's still the possibility that he lands wrong once and hurts himself again. Then he's out for the rest of the game, even if he wants to come in. I, I would like to go with the Nets, but I think the Bucks just will win it. I think Bucks in seven, which is ridiculous. There goes everyone's bets about the Nets winning the title. But I would not be surprised also if KD shows up monster again, drops 40-something. James Harden has had enough time to recover, and he is able to drop maybe 25, which should be enough if you can get even one or two guys in double digits for the Nets. I just think if you hold Giannis to under 40, and then Chris Middleton, I think you can count on him to have under 25 next game. Drew Holiday might be the tough thing. If Drew Holiday can have a good game, Chris Middleton can have a meh game, and Giannis can have a good game, Bucks win. That's the thing. If Chris Middleton has a bad game, Drew Holiday just has a meh game, and Giannis has a good game. Still, as the Nets, you need KD to go off. You need James Harden to have a good game. And you need one of the other guys, Jeff Green, Blake Griffin, right? You need them to have a good game as well. I think there's so many factors going against the Nets that you kind of just have to go with the Bucks. Even though I've gone back and forth so ridiculously often with this series, I'm going Bucks finishing it out in the seventh. We'll move into some soccer and some Euro 2020, even though it is 2021. Yes, that's just the way it's working. I don't know. Maybe they have too many, like, plastic cups that they've printed the logo on so now they can't go back um but we're just gonna recap match day one which was the 11th through 15th um how many games was that three six nine twelve yeah 12 games over those days match day two obviously is going on right now and there has been some games 16th and 17th 17th today obviously but we'll wait until match day two finishes up to recap all of that um, but we'll start with the 11th. Turkey loses 0-3 to to Italy. Um, it's a pretty strong Italy side. Um, 
it was a bit slow getting started, which I guess you can expect because it first game of the tournament for both teams, but first game of the tournament physically as well. Um, next day, the 12th, three games, starts with Wales and Switzerland drawing 1-1, and then it's just one of those games where you kind of are <laughs> are bored. I mean, neither team's great, and Wales probably wanted a win, but they weren't in any position here to get a win. Kiefer Moore equalized late or late-ish with a strong header, um, which saved them, honestly, from dropping all points to a Switzerland team that isn't great. Um, so I think not a great performance from Wales. They would have hoped to get three points, and Switzerland's pretty good, taking one point against a Wales team that honestly probably should have beat you. Gareth Bale, I don't know, could have stepped up, but I guess he didn't. Um, next game of the day, Denmark-Finland. Uh, this was... Ugh, ridiculous. I, everyone's commented on it. it. Finland does end up winning 1-0, but that's not anywhere near the big story. Christian Eriksen, um, we all know what happened. He falls to the ground in the middle of the play. Um, apparently, heart stops is what the news reports are saying. Um, he gets CPR, gets the def def defibrillator heart goes back up he gets taken out of the game obviously on a stretcher goes to the hospital hour later or so he facetimes his team zooms his team whatever i don't know what brand they're sponsored by um and says yeah i'm doing all right continue the game and that's what they do and it's you can't really blame denmark for not winning the game um but I don't think really anyone's worried about the game result in that situation. Best wishes, obviously, to Ericsson. I it was shocking watching the game. Um it it was just truly one of those moments where you're just sitting there and you're you you're just truly lost for words. You're like grossly fascinated and horrified with what's going on. And it's so awful to watch. But I'm glad he's doing all right, considerably. Hope he can make a big recovery. There is some news that I've been reading recently that he can um, get a certain device which tracks his heart. That I think, I believe it's someone on the Netherlands team has it. Daily Blind, maybe? He has the same device that keeps an eye on his heart while he's like playing soccer. So that could possibly allow him to still play soccer, but... We'll, we won't get too ahead of ourselves. Um, I just hope he can make a full recovery. Best wishes out to him. In the last game of the day, it was Belgium, um, who won 3-0 against... Why don't I have it written down here? Um, Belgium won 3-0. Lukaku had two goals, which was huge for him personally, um, because he is a friend, close friend of um, Christian Eriksen. And after both goals, he did his... He did a little get well soon to Christian Eriksen. They beat Russia 3-0. to zero. And like I said, Lukaku played great. Belgium played great. Um, they were the better side. That's about it. On the 13th, England starts off the day with a 1-0 win over Croatia. And Gareth Southgate, Southgate 
obviously cannot make it easy for himself because he puts out this weird lineup that I don't think many people liked. He had, um, who was it at left back? I can't think of, Trippier. He had Kieran Trippier at left back, which doesn't really make sense, but I guess it worked out, right? 1-0 win. They were a dominant team. They could have won 3-4-0. Croatia, to their credit, didn't play bad either. They kept England from I like dominating them, really. They didn't get outplayed severely, and they held pretty well when England looked like they had some pretty good chances. Um, at the end of the day, England does end up winning, and they were the better team. I don't think... Croatia really had any big opportunities where they should have gotten a goal or could have gotten a goal. Um, I think at the end of the day, it was just good for them to only lose by one. Next game of the day was Austria beating North Macedonia three to one. This was these two teams are ones that I've never seen, um, and it was a one-one game for a decent amount of time because Pandev on the North Macedonia side. This is old dude. I think he's thirty-seven or something. He equalized when the Austrian goalie like fumbled it a little bit in the penalty box, um, made it 1-1, which was cool for him and cool for all the fans because they, I think this was their first major European tournament, first major nas- or international tournament, I think, which is huge for them. But Austria, better team, obviously, scores two in the final 12 minutes, makes it look less close than it was. But I also think that North Macedonia wasn't really in striking distance for most of the game. So I think the result is justified. Next game of the day, Netherlands 3, Ukraine 2. The Dutch could have easily had a 2-0, 3-0 win. Um, But I don't know what they did. Maybe they just got lazy or just bored or complacent or whatever because they let in two goals within five minutes. They scored two and then they let in two goals from Ukraine in five minutes, and all of a sudden it's a 2-2 game going into, like, the later stages of the game, and you're like, this isn't great. Frank DeBoer is going to be pissed. But Dumfries comes in, gets a nice header, flicked past the goalie. I think the goalie could have done a bit better, but 85th minute, good win for Netherlands at the end of the day, three points or three points. The 14th, we had three games Honestly, these were probably the this was probably the worst day of the the competition so far. The Scotland Czech Republic game was kind of meh. Um, Scotland played awfully, or I guess maybe I'm just being too harsh on them. Scotland played decently. Um, they started well. They're missing Kieran Tierney, which is tough, obviously. Um, but in the 43rd minute, you have Schick who scores a nice goal. Um, gets the momentum confidence rolling for the Czech Republic a little because they come back after the half they look like the better team and then Schick scores a beauty of a goal from midfield past the Scotland goalie and I uh, you can't really say goal of the tournament yet because the tournament's new um but it definitely will be up there depending on what other goals are score- scored later in the tournament next game of the day Poland lost to Slovakia 2 to 1 and this is when people hate on international soccer for not being as good as club soccer right you don't have the chemistry and all that fun stuff this is exactly the game that they can point to it's just it wasn't there were three goals but it just wasn't that 
fun of a game. I'd rather watch the Spain and Sweden game that came after this. That was nil-nil. Neither of the teams looked very great. And then Poland got a red card two-thirds into the game, like 62nd minute. And Slovakia just won because they were playing against 10 men. 2-1 to one for Slovakia, but it just wasn't like I would not recommend watching this game on repeat. Um, third game of the day, already spoiled it a little, but Spain-Sweden drew nil-nil. Um, I, th- you could probably still call it disappointing for Spain, even though they have some of the young kids in there, obviously because the COVID outbreak that's happened recently. Um, I will say that they still need to win this, so bad performance from them. But I guess fine from them that they could keep it nil-nil. They could have converted on chances. They could have won this game, which I think is disappointing for them. But I'm kind of willing to let them off the hook a little bit. The next day, 6-15, the 15th, June 15th, only two games because the opening day had one because I don't know. Who knows? Hungary lost to Portugal 3-0. And if you're going to watch this game, if you have it recorded or whatever, just like fast forward to the 80th minute and then play from there because when that those last like what was it 15 minutes or so that's the performance that you expect from the defending champions pretty much all tournament long right it's the ridiculous expectations that you have for defending champions but that's what people have and portugal neither portugal nor hungary to be fair played great in the opening 80 minutes but it was kind of them just getting their engines running Portugal kind of, I don't know, kind of tried to be Barcelona, passed around a little bit, but didn't really get many huge chances, which I think is the what Hungary was trying to do. Um, and to be fair, they did that pretty well for 80 minutes. But then after that, it was kind of just like <laughs> they didn't give up, but they kind of just got overwhelmed by Portugal, who scores three in the last 13, 15 minutes or so. And you have two goals from Ronaldo, and what you, you can't really stop that. One of them's a pen, one of them's just from open play. Good performance from Portugal, honestly. Nothing really more to say. The second and last game of the day, this was probably one of the most anticipated games of the first match day, of the group stages maybe, France versus Germany. Um... This was fun to watch. I was excited watching this game. This was one of the mo- this was one of the ones that excited me the most, even though it ended one nil, and it was an own goal. Um, I think in that case, the score sheet makes it look a lot worse of a game than it actually was. I thought it was a pretty entertaining game, to be completely honest. France started well for the first twenty twenty five minutes. Um, gets that goal, that own goal. And then Germany comes back with a vengeance until halftime. And for a while, I thought Germany was going to equalize. But they don't. They come back out after halftime with same vengeance. But France buckles down. They're just a great team, powerhouse. They buckle down, don't allow Germany to get any any goals. There were a couple big chances that Germany probably could have gotten. But they didn't. France didn't convert on some chances either. So that's that. We're going to move on to some college football talk just real quick because in the news has been the 12-team college football playoff idea, and I think it's great. I think a lot of people think it's great. 
I think the only big criticism of it is people are saying that it's just going to be blowouts again. But it's going to be blowouts either way, probably, right? The 1-4 seed, and even the championship game sometimes, it's going to be blowouts. But isn't it more fun to see some entertaining games in the first part of the playoffs, and then the blowout, and then maybe an interesting game? And when you have this college football playoffs, you're probably going to see recruiting spread out even more. Because you can have probably 20 teams a season say saying like using playoff aspirations and real playoff aspirations as a reason for kids to come to their team i i think this is going to be great for the sport i think this is what everyone's needed for a while i just hope that now that there are 12 that they don't just try to load the sec or big 12 into it um because that's always what's going to happen in every sport in college because SEC bias and that's annoying but we move on um I think I'd so much rather see this many games right rather than just three and I just don't I don't want to see Alabama Clemson Ohio State and then one other team every year just the same thing happening I'd so much rather see UCF get dominated by 50 and then it goes to Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, right? Because you get some new names in there. And it makes it a bit more interesting rather than just the same thing. So that's the take that everyone else has had. I know, really unique for me. Um, and now we're going to move on to the all-NBA, all-defense, and all-rookie teams that have been announced. The all-NBA teams, we'll start with the first team, go down to third. Um, the center was Jokic, obviously, he got 498 total points, 99 first place votes. Giannis, as one of the forwards, 500 total points. Kwai as the other forward, 323 total votes. Then the guards are Steph and Luca with respectively 496 and 402 votes or total points. Um, second team, Joel Embiid, Julius Randle, LeBron, Damian Lillard, and Chris Paul. And then the third team, Rudy Gobert, Jimmy Butler, Paul George, Brad Beal, and Kyrie. Um, my only problem with the first team, I think everyone had this first team, honestly, except I did put Embiid in there for Leonard because it was kind of just wishful thinking, um, hoping that they were going to do like a center slash forward position rather than just sticking to their guns so much because I think Embiid deserves it so much more. But whatever. He also does have more total points than Kawhi. Embiid has 352. Kawhi has 323. So that's a bit annoying. But first team, I think Jokic, Giannis, and Steph should have all had 500 total points. Steph had 496, and Jokic had 498, which I don't, I don't get. Or maybe Jokic had 500 and Giannis had 498. I think I messed that up. But I don't understand. These three guys are like high on the list for for MVP voting. I just don't know why they aren't unanimous. Like, who would you rather have instead of Steph on the All-NBA first team? Like, who voted him? Who voted someone else instead of him? Or who voted him on the second team instead? I, I, don't, I don't get that. It just feels like a lapse of judgment. Um, on the second team, I don't have many complaints i think lebron should have made the third team honestly and then jimmy butler on the second team 
I think it's just one of those cases where it's LeBron as LeBron, and he's just going to get the favor. I think Jimmy Butler was a bigger role this year. He played more games. Um, I, I think he should have gotten the consideration for the second team instead of LeBron. Um, but the biggest complaints, I think, come in the third team. And it's almost like you need to make the third team like eight guys because there's always going to be like around three, two or three people who seriously missed out. And I think this year it's it's Russell Westbrook, Donovan Mitchell, and Jason Tatum. Um, and as big of a Russell Westbrook fan as I am, I I will say that I don't think he should have made the team um, because it's Kyrie and Brad Bill, Brad Beal and Donovan Mitchell that he's fighting out. But I do want just want to bring up the fact that I think it's crazy that someone who's averaging a triple double can miss out on all the all NBA teams. That's just ridiculous. Um, and then Donovan Mitchell, again, tight between him and Kyrie. But I think it's kind of a toss up that goes to Kyrie like fifty five out of the hundred times. Um, I do think Kyrie deserves that spot, but. I think Donovan Mitchell does give him a run for his money. And then Jason Tatum, I think he got robbed 100%. I think he deserves it more than both Kyrie and Paul George. I didn't agree with Paul George being in the third team. Um, And then obviously, maybe it should just be total points. Because Jason Tatum got more total points than Kyrie. And he does deserve it more than Kyrie this year. But obviously that's not how it works with guards and forwards and positions and stuff like that. We'll move on to all defense and all rookie. All defense, first team, Rudy Gobert, Draymond Green, Giannis, Ben Simmons, Drew Holiday with Ben Simmons and Rudy Gobert being unanimous. Second team, Joel Embiid, Bam Adebayo, Kawhi, Jimmy Butler, and Matisse Thibel. Again, no complaints. The all defense and all rookie are kind of hard to complain about because they kind of just solve themselves out and it's less like opinion. It's kind of just what happened, like physically and statistically what happened. Um... I will say, for the sake of the meme, Lou Dort should have made it. There we go. Um, All-rookie, the first team, Anthony Edwards, Sadiq Bey, Jay Sh- Sean Tate, LaMelo Ball, Tyrese Halliburton, with LaMelo and Anthony Edwards unanimous, and Tyrese missed out by one point being unanimous. Second team, Isaiah Stewart, Patrick Williams, Patrick Williams, Isaac Okoro, Emmanuel Quickly, and Desmond Bain. Again, this sorts of itself out naturally i'm just gonna say that it pissed me off that there were only 99 ballots instead of 100 so the the unanimous for anthony edwards and Lamelo was 198 total points instead of 200 so that's ridiculous and probably not a big deal at all but i'm gonna make it a big deal my next big maybe not big story but i had this thought this week that the phrase top 20 comes up so much when we're talking about basketball. I think there's like around 40 people in the NBA right now who people consistently call top 20 players. And sometimes I think that people overestimate how how many people can fit into a top 20, right? Obviously, it's just going to be 20, which sounds like a no-duh moment. But there's so many people who are considered quote-unquote top 20 players, Um so I just I made my top twenty list because I kind of want to like prove the point at who actually is top twenty and then who misses out because there's some big people who actually miss out who people constantly call top twenty players. Um, 
don't roast me for this list kind of just quick that I just made off the top of my head I think I bound to have missed somebody but this is as far as I got kind of just to prove a point um first KD second LeBron third Jokic fourth Steph fifth Giannis sixth Harden seventh Embiid eight Kawhi nine AD ten Luka and then it's from 11 to 20 it's Dame Jason Tatum Jimmy Butler Clay Thompson had to throw him in there because he's proved that he is even if not this season um 15th Paul George then Chris Paul Kyrie Devin Booker Trey Young Bradley Beal and then I threw in an honorable mention section because these are like the top guys who miss out these are I think all these guys are people that have been called top 20 players and they might not be top 20 players because there's only 20 people who can be top 20 players honorable mentions are Carl Anthony Towns Russell Westbrook Ben Simmons, Rudy Gobert, Zion Williamson, and Donovan Mitchell. Like, these guys, I'm positive at least Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, Ben Simmons. Um, Those three guys I've thought in my head are top 20, and maybe they aren't, or maybe they can be subbed in for other people in my list, but then that means three guys in in that list aren't top 20, and that's ridiculous to think about too. I just think that top 20 gets thrown around so much that people... have like a million guys in their head who are top 20 um to close off the show today we'll just be doing some quick topics get these in some quick little news pieces that don't take more than a minute because there's not really much to talk about for them first is devin booker and the sons and four guy um we've all seen the video we all know the story right sons fan in denver for game three gets into confrontation with two Nuggets fans. One of them tries to sucker punch him. <laughs> Sons and four guy grabs him by his chain, starts feeding him uppercuts, and then switches to the other guy once that first guy's gotten enough of a beating. Um, absolutely amazing fight. Probably one of the better crowd fights that we've seen. And then it's capped off by this guy looking at the camera, looking at this phone who's filming it. And he says, Sons and Four, after absolutely beating these two guys up. And then it's even more capped off with the Suns winning that night, right? Winning that game three, and then winning the next night and sweeping the Nuggets. Immortalizing Sons and Four guy. And then the stories continue. Devin Booker has gotten this fan tickets to a conference finals game in Phoenix and is also sending him a signed jersey. This is awesome. Uh, just one of those fun stories. Um, yeah, Suns and Four. We'll say Suns and Four over Jazz or Clippers. Both. Both of them. Anyone. Suns and Four over anyone. Um, next topic, Mavs. The Mavericks, their GM and coach is gone. The Mavericks fired their GM, Donnie Nelson, last week. Or I guess parted ways, right? Nice way of saying it. And then Rick Carlisle who was their coach for 13 years, resigned, I would assume because of that. The timing's just got to be that. Um, And I just think it's a yikes moment for the Mavericks now. They made it to the playoffs. They did lose to the Clippers in the first round, but they didn't play terribly. Um, And obviously they're just a couple pieces away from contending for the Western Conference. I think more than a couple pieces if they want to go to the finals. But 
this is kind of going to send them on a spiral, I think, because there's a lot of work to be done now that Rick Carlisle is gone and their GM is gone. I don't think they make playoffs next year. I'm going to get that take in there quickly so then I can seem dumb when they get the two-seat or something. Next topic, we're going to baseball. Arizona Diamondbacks make history for sucking so bad. They lost today on the road again. Surprise, surprise. They lost to the Giants um, 10-3, to I believe. This is their 14th straight loss. They've lost 28 out of their last 30, and the history that's made in the modern era, modern era MLB record of 23 straight road losses. Um, yeah, so if you're a Diamonds, Diamondbacks fan, I feel ridiculously sorry for you. Um, maybe don't watch the games anymore. It's going to be the same result. You don't have to watch them. It's fine. Um, staying in baseball and Jacob deGrom, there was some worry about him because on Wednesday he was pitching against the Cubs, right? Was pitching amazing. Um, and then left after three innings. He, right, three innings pitched eight strikeouts and also an RBI single. His ERA is like .47 now, and he has like six RBIs on the season. He did take an MRI today, um, so good news, Mets fans. Nothing big, nothing bad is here. Um, two doctors looked over it. He looks fine, but Luis Rojas, Mets manager, said that he's going to be taking it a bit slow, so nothing serious happens. Um, let's move on to some golf because the U.S. Open started today, and we'll just recap a little bit of that because Tory Pines is brilliant to watch. I don't watch golf much, but today I was like mesmerized by it because Torrey Pines is a beautiful course and the cliffs with the Pacific Ocean and the sun burning off the fog after a 90 minute delay. Just awesome to watch. And then so the big story of today is the afternoon group had to pause play after most of them getting through, but then there's like four or five groups who didn't completely finish. They're on their like one group like the group that's done the least is on their 12th hole of the day, and the group that's done the most is on their 16th, and then other groups in between there. Um, Russell Henley, Francesco Molinari, and Rafa Cabrero-Bello, off to good starts, all three of them. They have minus four, minus three, and minus three scores, respectively, um, and they held the top of the scoreboard, right, tied for or first outright, and then tied for second, those two. Um, and then Luis Oosthuizen came in, part of the afternoon group he's through 16 right now and he's minus four tied for the lead now with russell henley um possibly set to take the lead tomorrow because he has two more holes to finish up for the first round so he could take the lead tomorrow or he could fall to second tomorrow depending on how that happens um but then obviously we have brooks kepka he's always in here for the majors he's tied for fifth two shots under par right now um, I expect him, obviously, to keep the form, be in a good pouncing range later in the weekend. The U.S. Open obviously continues Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Tomorrow morning we'll see the first round continue or finish up for those groups that haven't finished. Um, last two topics, we've got Naomi Osaka. She's skipping the Wimbledon. I don't think this was a massive surprise because you're going to have athletes skip in some of the later events just to get to the olympics with a good amount of energy which is what she's doing but also she had that whole 
deal with the French Open, right? The whole kerfuffle where the French Open were being just jerks. Um, so she's skipping the Wimbledon and she's saving her energy for the Tokyo Olympics. I don't think it's that big of a story, honestly, but with what happened at the French Open, I think it's going to be blown up either way. So good for her, but I also am worried for her because she hasn't, right? She pulled out of the French Open and then she pulled out of one of those tournaments that's before the Wimbledon that's like considered a Wimbledon warm-up tournament and then obviously out of the Wimbledon now too so she's not going to have much competitive tennis under her belt before the Olympics or going into the Olympics in the past couple months which might be a little bit worrying for her last point in the day we've got a fun little piece to wrap up the Yankees triple play this is their second already of the season um their first was right it was I don't know the numbers right now it's too late third base second base first base right just around the horn triple play this one was possibly one of the weirdest plays I've seen in baseball because it was a triple play but it was very very confusing um they were playing against the Blue Jays on Thursday today um and the Blue Jays had runners on second and third on second was Bo Bichette on third was Simeon um Vlad Guerrero Jr. is at bat. He hits a ball to Michael King, who's the Yankees pitcher. King looks back Simeon at third, throws to first, gets that first out, and then first baseman throws to shortstop because the runners are like in weird positions. Then shortstop throws to home because Simeon's trying to go home. Simeon turns around, catcher throws to third baseman who tags Simeon out, and then throws to the shortstop who's covering third to get Boba Shett out because he tried to go to third and all of the confusion. Then the Blue Jays challenged the call because he's called out on the field. It's upheld, triple play. Official scoring is one three six two five six. Fun little piece to end the podcast. Um, thanks for listening. It was a lot of rambling, a lot of talking. It probably is a lot of nonsense because i don't know sports but it was fun to do hope it was fun to listen have a great week we'll be back here sunday or i guess i'll be recording sunday monday morning is where the podcast will be then we'll be back with normal schedule so monday wednesday friday podcasts cool everyone have a great week have a great weekend thanks for listening